Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hey. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we're chilling in Brad's apartment doing some intros. Chilling, doing some intros on a beautiful summer day. Beautiful summer day. Summer's, beautiful view here. What are they building over. over there? That building is oh, huge. Oh, I hate that building. That's like going to be, I mean, look how tall it is. It looks like it's, is it taller than the World Trade Center? No, no, but it's, it's really just tall. It's like going to be like 160 floors or something. It's comparable crazy. to the World Trade Center for sure. It, but so, uh, for those of you, <laughs> this building—I can't remember what it's called—but it's like down where the old path mark was, right by the on the Manhattan side of the Manhattan Bridge. You'll see, if you anybody who's in New York, you'll see it. It's all orange at the top where they're built, where they're still building. But you know, so as much as I hate that building because it blocks my view, you know what it really, what it fucking destroys? What's I was that? out on Governor's Island a couple of weekends ago, uh-huh. and it destroys the classic like Brooklyn Bridge, Manhattan Bridge view. Yeah, like dude. from the bay, like this. You're looking at this view that you've seen a million times with the two bridges, and then this giant piece of shit building towering over. The Brooklyn Bridge, which just totally throws out its like sort of glory, it just ruins it. Yeah, the I'm sublimeness so- of the Brooklyn Bridge is destroyed by this piece of shit building. So it's a real eyesore. Before we go any further, I want to give another quick shout out uh, for our Venmo account. We're trying to prop it up a little bit. We're probably going to have some new incentives for people who do give a lot. Um, I thanked some of you already, um, Brandon. Thanks for your big donation, Ren Volpe, who's always really good uh it's it's venmo uh the our handle is off track you'll see my name brad world pop up um don't want to talk about it too much but just uh if you're feeling generous give us a little bit over there yes and um show some respect and what else is going on other than my building uh well we have a very exciting podcast today yeah this is pretty funny we have uh (laughs) simon o'connor aka uh simon doom um and uh, he has a record uh, that came out. Um, when did it come out? It came out pretty recently. Uh, I think like a month or two ago. It's called Baby Man. And uh, the bio says Baby Man is Simon O'Connor's post baby record, much in the way In Utero was for Kurt Cobain or Smoke Rings for Mahalo was for Kurt Vile. That sort of perspective can they kill an artist or push him to new creative heights. Baby Man undoubtedly put Simon Doom in the later category. Uh, so yeah, Simon's awesome. Uh, I met him through uh, my friend and former bandmate and former guest on the podcast, Jim Carroll, Handsome Jim, and who plays in Simon Doom and also plays in a band called Subcults with Simon. Um, And uh, yeah, we had Simon come by um, and just talk about... uh, What do we talk about? Being a... (laughs) Got into it all here. Berkeley Summer Camp is pretty interesting, but... Yes. Crust Pump. Being a Crust Pump. Jesse Camp. Hello. Jesse Camp. Look up our Jesse Camp episode. Look up our Jesse Camp episode. I'll put a link to it. Okay. Yeah. We talked about that. (laughs) Simon Simon is from New York. So he's like grew up in New York in the punk scene. So like has seen a lot of stuff. He's currently now playing with MGMT. He went to college with those guys. So he's a really interesting story. I mean, he's basically like a New York Crust Punk that went to like liberal arts school and like started playing with MGMT and now he's kind of doing the MGMT thing, but kind of doing his own thing, which is getting, I think it seems to me is like getting very popular as well. Yeah. And he's a super sweet guy, very funny, very dry, really good storyteller. Oh yeah. Um, kind of like a, a really good, really good guest. I'm actually, um, 
seeing him play tonight when you're hearing this, but his next show is actually in LA, LA people. He's playing at resident, which is where I went, uh, last time I was in Los Angeles. It's a really cool spot downtown. Um, a couple days after this episode gets released, September 29th, you can see Simon Doom at resident in Los Angeles. You should definitely go definitely, uh, check out his new album, baby man. And let's listen to this awesome interview with it's being recorded at pulse music oh, yes. in new york yes <laughs> forgot about that yes Shout thank out. you to pulse yes He's been hosting all of our recording sessions yes thank you to pulse they've yeah we've been working with them they're great uh steve Garwalski, if you want to record with him you should he's great and uh the studio is super nice and uh let's get in this podcast with uh simon o'connor aka simon doom Simon, yeah. Uh, how's it going? It's good. Yeah, it's hot out there. It is hot out there. It's gonna be worse tomorrow, right? So there you go. Yeah, I, I was supposed to help someone move tomorrow, um, but I said fun. no, no, no. Yeah, say, call me in September. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So we met sort of through Jim Carroll. Yeah. Um, are you are you another Massachusetts guy or no. what's your I was born and raised in New York City. Really? I met Jim Carroll uh, at Berkeley Summer Program. No way. I did Berkeley Summer really? Program. When, I think me and Jim have talked about this. I did it when I was 17. I think I'm like a little older. I'm 37 now. Jim is older than me. Okay. And I think it, me and Jim did it very close to each other, but not the same year. The five-week guitar thing? Yeah. 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 I did it with like the Apollo Sunshine guys. No. Well, Bill, who is plays bass for Simon Doom, also did it. And he did it a year before, too. Okay. So you may have done it with him. Maybe. Was there a girl with no arms there? No. Okay. That's kind of the... There's a girl with no arms who everyone had a crush on who could... She wasn't a drummer. I mean, that's but she, there was something that that was something amazing. She was like this, like this. Okay, no tale of the Berkeley Summer Program. I remember. It, so if you weren't there with the her, year I was on it, John Schofield's daughter was on it. I heard about her though too, which was like, which like as like a Berkeley like that's like the scene where like everyone's like, dude, that's John. Like you go anywhere else in the world, people are like who. Like Berkeley, like dude, that's John Schofield's daughter. Everyone's like freaking out. But, but there were also like three women there yes. out of about five hundred. Yeah, my students. roommate was in love with the janitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I think she's pretty cool. And things like, change. Yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. So you, so that, so you met your drummer back then. No, a bassist. Bassist, excuse me. And Jim. Oh, so wow. Both of them. So this band technically was formed <laughs> in the Berkeley summer program. So like guitar camp. 15 years we'll ago or something. Camp. Yeah. 15 years ago. And uh, Bill and I, the bassist, had kept in touch. And he he played in St. Vincent for a while. And I was, so I would kind of like, he was touring. And I would, I, I bumped into him years later in a rest stop in like near Bath in England. You know? Okay. Like that sort of thing. I'm like, Bill? And so then we kind of kept in touch ever since then. That was like 2009. And Jim just tapped me on the shoulder at Enid's like three years ago. I was like, are you Simon? And I was like, yeah, are you Jim Carroll? Because, you know, very memorable name. But, yes, uh, handsome Jim. Yeah, although back then he was, uh, 
He's three foot eight and obese. <laughs> <laughs> he had completely bald. <laughs> He's like Benjamin Buttons. And we're get, getting him at the good period right no, that's now good before he turns into a baby. Perspective. That's yeah. smart, yeah. Yeah. No, he just had looked like a hardcore kid. Yeah. And he was in a band called Graven. And I was kind of like uh at the tail end of my like punk phase that I'm back into now. <laughs> <laughs> but like no, I think we we kind of, you know, we bonded over like not you know, I don't know, we just got along. He's a great dude. He was straight edge then. Okay. And he's not anymore. Hence the bar. Right. Uh, but yeah, then, but that's how I know those dudes, but I am from here. Okay. Gotcha. And then what is your, what's your connection to the MGMT thing? I played bass in MGMT. Okay. Um, as of this year. Okay. But I went to college with those guys and, uh, remained close and kind of, the majority of my musical projects have been somewhat involved with the two main dudes, Andrew and Ben, and they uh, they produced the Simon Doom record that I made last year, and it went really well. And then they kind of it was just not, it was like the first time we had made music in a way together. They played on it too, and uh, as well as my band. And then they wrote a record and kind of had some tour dates coming up and asked if I wanted to come along, and I just thought, yeah, okay. You know, so that's what I've been doing. That's like why I was in Des Moines. You know? oh, okay, gotcha. You know, yeah, I wasn't sure why you were like I'm getting. On, we were texting. He's like I'm getting on plane to Des Moines. Yeah, that's why I was there. I thought you were just. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. <laughs> I thought maybe from, you're just fucking with me too. No, no, text is tough. Yeah, it is tough. Tone some is t- tough. some of some of the texts were lies. Yeah, <laughs> but that one was true. <laughs> <laughs> so what was like? Were you going to a lot of punk shows in New York? Like, were you going to a lot of matinees at CB's and yeah. that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, I scrolled through the podcast, your podcast, and okay. I saw that you had fucking Mike Denied <laughs> as a guest. Mike Denied was part of the... Uh, and I'm he, scared to even talk about this because I'm worried he's going to kill me. <laughs> he was... So to give you a little background on this, okay. listeners, we did I didn't p- listen to it because I I'm too scared. Well, he- here's what happened: <laughs> we did this podcast with uh, Jesse Camp, and yeah. uh, it's who stole my girlfriend my, when I was in junior high. Really? This is part of it. Yeah. Oh man, um, he was not in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> he was almost on MTV. <laughs> no, he was on MTV. <laughs> How else could he have stole your she girlfriend? Was fucking man? 14, 13. Uh, Jeez. That rule. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and suddenly, Mike Denied was involved in my life. <laughs> like, well, so Mike Denied is, is Jesse's friend who, like, basically, like halfway through the podcast, Jesse was like, "I invited my friend to come in," and this dude comes in, and Mike and Jesse's like, "This guy, like, used to play with Gigi Allen," and I'm like obsessed with Gigi Allen. Yeah. I love Gigi Allen. I had never have met anyone that actually played with him. Or like knew him as a friend, and uh, and I just asked. I was like, okay. I mean, the podcast itself is just so all over the place, anyways. Uh, but we talked about Mike denied about DJ Allen a lot, and he was super nice. He was cool and uh, short guy, huh? 
They both of those guys were like seven feet tall. No, legit. Yeah, legit. It was crazy. Like, and then, actually, and I was like, I was like, what was Gigi like? I'm, I'm, you can listen to this episode, but yeah, Mike's like, you know, he was like just like a, just said he was like a straightforward guy. He'd be like, people be like, Gigi, stay at my house. He's like, I'm gonna like fuck your girlfriend and then shit on your couch. And people be like, oh, cool, whatever. And they like, and then he would fuck your girlfriend and shit on your couch. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. At least he's honest. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard the denied Mike denied's band? That he sang for, very very good. No, I haven't. Is it in the same vein as? No, it's more like what I what I was kind of more uh, into is like the kind of what is now called D beat, but like kind of like crust punk sort okay. of thing. And like he had a band, like I had a band called Fulsa Doom back then that did a split seven inch with this band Distraught, who were like kind of the New York kind of kings of crust punk, and like the Distraught. The dudes in the start had been in this band, The Denied, before. We were like this legendary band that Mike Denied sang for. Okay. Which is why he's Mike Denied. Okay, yeah, I think they played, he played me some of his stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. It was cool. But yeah, so like I got, I was like a little kid punk. So like, was there like a big crust punk scene that era, that time in New yeah, York? Yeah. Okay. There was, but it was all over the place. It was like also like there was the kind of the remnants of Gigi Allen. Like I wasn't old enough to actually be able to be aware of Gigi Allen when he was alive. Like, I probably went to my first show in, like, 1995 or something. But, like, all all the shrapnel that he left behind was still there and still, like, very much in the scene. It was, like, like legitimately terrifying. And, like, Mike Denied and his, like, brother were, like... And his brother... So Jesse Camp did, stole my girlfriend, and I was, like... <laughs> it was a complicated... It's very complicated, but I was, like... I still, I thought I could just, like, get her back or something. So I was, like, I would go, like, look for her on St. Mark's, and she'd be, like, with, like, Mike Denard, like, all these, like, murder junkies. Right. And they were, like, you know, would flicking something from a needle at me and shit. Like, it was just, like, it was terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. And, like, I was so little that, uh, it, it, you know, like, when I saw that name on my phone, like, I got, like, cold. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice guy, Super but like nice. I'm sure he just like uh, you know. But it's also like when you're that age, you're so impressionable. Yeah, like you're like and someone who's two years older than you, especially like they just seem so. It's I don't know, it's like yeah. a different world. You know, and it wasn't as much him as his brother, who's also as tall. Okay, and <laughs> you know had like a visible swastika tattoo, like it was that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, it's like let's bring Not swastikas so. back into punk. Uh, hate edge, okay. Kind of like he, just everybody. It was all over the place, right? Um, but I kind of gravitated more towards the ABC No Rio, like uh, well, there was the kind of the youth crew hardcore right. stuff, and that was very separate from like the street people scene. And the crest punk scene was a little bit more with the street people scene, but they were there kind of like food not bombs vegan political was this like leftover crack or leftover like... crack kind of like i think they straddled the line okay in a way and it was like joke like we played with choking victim a lot and uh and like when leftover crack kind of formed is when i kind of stepped away from it for a little bit and, I, and also i think because i went to college and uh you know met all these hippies it changed my perspective on shit but I don't know. It's just like there wasn't really like I always was kind of like I was like a in band since I was ten years old kind of guy, and I was like 
always writing songs and always playing guitar and like you know i went to guitar camp to like play cross punk which is stupid and like <laughs> so i think and just there wasn't really much of a scene uh there was kind of the, the hip-hop scene in new york was incredible then and then there was this punk scene which kind of always exists and always will uh and uh i kind of didn't think there was anything else I could do until like I met people from other places when I got to college who were like doing who taught me about like indie rock and things like that. But yeah, that's pretty much what I, my all the music I played up until I was eighteen was that sort of thing. The casualty we toured with the casualties a lot. Like, really? Oh yeah, they were kind of like the. Uh, the punk pushers like George worked in trash and vaudeville the singer and like so everyone would go there because everyone wanted to get their punk clothes when they decided they decided they want to become punk and he'd be there and he'd kind of say like hey man like you should get these you know GBH shirt like maybe I got this there yeah you know like you should get you know you should do it he would give me tapes and stuff and then the casualties would have like every couple of months they would have this showcase that they put on where they would have like little kid bands open for them where they, that they would hand pick and uh my first band ever when i was 13 got picked but then i went to camp and when i came back the lead singer's family had moved to venezuela and that was that yeah but, yeah that's um, a tough thing to happen yeah <laughs> but uh then you know uh when i formed but then the, there was a band that was playing that uh broke up right after i don't know anyway i ended up playing with Thulsa doom who is george's girlfriend's band and then that was a band i am actually technically still in okay that i still that i've been in since i was 14 when's the last time you guys played uh june wow yeah <laughs> So are most of your bands based on like when you were fourteen to eighteen? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of like that was that was my glory period. <laughs> what do you think as an adult when you see crust punks like now on like Second Avenue or something with like their dogs? Are you do you feel like are you sort of like feel like an affinity like oh these are so, or are you just like ugh? <laughs> uh, no, now now I get excited. Yeah, but for years it was ugh. Yeah, you know, because but now I'm I feel far enough away that I can really appreciate it, and uh, um, and you know, um, read their patches. One thing they really don't care about is like when I and I when I remember this happening to me then is when a, a older gentleman, such as myself, <laughs> will come over and tell you a story about seeing <laughs> one of the bands that you have. I saw Discharge. Yeah, I saw Discharge in 99. <laughs> they weren't very good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like it. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like there's... I, I'm I'm glad that the scene is kind of relatively unchanged. I mean, now they're on phones. You know, now they have cell phones, so right. that's a little different. But like through Thulsa Doom, I get a window into that world, and it still is flyer based, and it still is kind of word of mouth, and there still are like DIY venues that you play almost exclusively, and it's like not about Facebook events, and it's kind of just and you know. 
And and it's just like, uh, and everyone's very gossipy, and then there's bullies, and like the way it always has been. Right. So it's kind of nice and refreshing, but it's also very claustrophobic at the same time. But it's nice to it's nice to visit. That's what I'll say. Did you ever like live in like a squad or anything like that? No, but my friends did. Yeah. Like I, I ended up going to college, and like most of my friends uh, stuck around and kind of kept punking themselves out a little bit but at the same time growing up and like yeah lived in like my one of my close friends based of also team who's now an architect lived in a squat that at one point he was paying and then went legit paid 75 dollars a month and this is on like you know ninth street and avenue c and now it's just like straight up condos and he owns two apartments in like the East village yeah because, like, the squatter's rights stuff? Yeah, well, then I think it became a legitimate building. And it, it was, uh, and then the, the tenants bought it, so they own it. So it's a co-op. Right. So he owns two co-op apartments in the East Village. That's insane. Yeah. And there you go. That's that's the fairy tale across the punk life, huh? <laughs> that, that really is the fairy tale across punk life. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I, I mean, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of, I wish I stuck it out a little more. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing though is like, so I'm reading this Roger Murray book. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's talking about living in these squats and the landlord's just setting them on fire because they wanted to get the insurance money. And like, he's like, like multiple times, like the, his dog's waking him up and then being like, oh, the building's on fire. And like, I could have been killed like so many times. Mm. So it also sounds like. Well, a lot, yeah, a lot of them are gone because yeah yeah it sounds yeah i mean like so my punk era was giuliani right okay which is important because like so giuliani spent the first couple of years kind of beginning to clean shit up and then like by the end like by the kind of mid to late 90s like you couldn't just have a underage drinking party in the middle of the street on St. Mark's anymore, you know? Like, things start to tighten up, and there's just more cops. And a lot of that kind of, like, classic Lower East Side New York stuff that I heard about was just, like, right before, you know, I started to kind of go to... Sh- be able be old enough to go to shows. And I was, and I was you know, start... I went to shows as soon as I could. Right. But, like, I missed a lot of the true kind of squalor of like of wild the, west you know, yes <laughs> like you weren't seeing like bad brains and stuff no no bad brains were like not playing you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> during that. i think then they got became soul brains and like i saw them then but no i mean it was just like you i've just seen local bands yeah you know and then a lot of the kind of uk82 british bands that would come through and then, uh, you know, I would, go, I would go to New Jersey to see shows a lot, you know, like the end or Connecticut. Okay. And that's where most people were from. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were, there was still kind of, like I said, being like, uh, our, our buddy Mike, like the kind of the leftovers. Right. Who were just like, oh, I wish things were, st- I just wish things were still scary, you know, like, let's just scare this one little guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one else's fucking stories like that. I'm like, why not? I'm like, I just, I guess I just went to the wrong corner and decided I could, like, get my girlfriend back from, like, 
murder junkies who were 15 years older than me who like really legitimately didn't care whether they died right then at that spot where I had like a bright future and I was like I hope I get into this high school and then then to college you know really? and these guys are like I have fucking swastika tattoos on my face and I have like I might have AIDS I wish I had AIDS if not I'm gonna get it today you know and like that's my fucking get dude so whatever where did you go to college I went to Wesleyan <laughs> okay. uh, with uh, MGMT guys okay, and some other people. Gotcha. You know, but like, yeah, that's kind of like, well, all right, here's a good story. So <laughs> I, uh, I went to Wesleyan and I came back. Uh, there was this thing, loud as fuck fest, which is like a grindcore fest at CBGB's. And I was like, to Andrew from MGMT, who's like, those guys were like, jam band guys right you know in high school and then like they were coming from that like we were all teaching each other and uh i was like you guys gotta see this music that you don't even know exists like let's go to new york let's go to loudest fuck fest so my friend mike who's the architect who is now the co-op squat squatter co-op owner at that time was a rickshaw driver uh because he was still there you know what i mean so he's like oh I'll pick you up in my, like, bike rickshaw, and I will drive you to CBGB's. And, like, that time I was kind of like, you know, I thought, like, the strokes came out, and I might I started dressing a little differently, you know? And, uh... Um... So, like, I arrived to CBGB's in this rickshaw with, like, this kind of, like, <laughs> fresh-faced kind of jam band, you know, cutie, you know, future pop star. And, like, <laughs> like I see this dude, Stuart, and he's just standing outside, and he just sees me, like, thank you. Like, not pay the guy either, because my friend was like, bye-bye. Because <laughs> he had to work more, you know? And, like, and he looks at me, and he goes, he looks at me up and down. And, oh, and he's now in a full-on clockwork orange phase. Where, like, he was, he was Big Mohawk Stuart. I guess he went bald. And then he was, like, bowler hat. Uh, uh, what, uh, uh, fake eyelashes on one no. eye. Yeah, that was happening a lot. That was a way to for people to go. And like, I'm surprised you're surprised by this. I thought this was happening everywhere. I don't think I've ever seen a fake eyelash. <laughs> this, might be oh. our, this might be our best podcast ever. Okay. <laughs> but, so he looks at me and he's with, he's like, and he, he was like, there were the people who were around my age and then the people who were over 20, you know, when I was a kid. And he was over 20. So now he may have been over 30. Okay. So and he was with definitely like two like 16-year-old punk girls. And he just looks at me and he's like, Simon, with this like disgust in his <laughs> voice. And he's like, what the, looks me up and down like, what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. And he goes to this one girl and he's like, man, this kid was 12 years old. He said, come to me, he said, Stuart. I'm never going to stop being punk. I'll be a punk for life. And I'm like, yeah, you know what I fucking said when I was 11? I was going to be a fucking professional baseball player, dude. Like, <laughs> before that, I mean, you know, like, I mean, astronaut, if you asked me two years before that, like, give me a break. <laughs> People change. But, you know, I, it, it affected me. I felt very guilty. I felt like this wasn't, I was, I was being an asshole, you know? But, uh, yeah. What question was I answering? <laughs> I I just uh, I think it's so funny because I feel like when we met we started talking about this stuff and I just knew you as like a friend of Jim's and uh, and then I got like a press release about MGMT and I was like yeah I probably won't have anything to talk about with this guy mm. because based on 
I mean, before the gym thing, just the MGMT and the crust punk thing just seemed like so different. Not a lot of trajectories, yeah, at all. But I think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's actually like when you hear the context, it's it's pretty interesting. I thought you were gonna say when you really listen to like you know electric feel, you can hear, <laughs> you can hear that sort of kind of Japanese noise thing going. It's got on. A, yeah, it's got a melt banana kind <laughs> yeah. of overtone. If you, you really know, listen you, on headphones, yeah, you can really hear like it's very exploited heavy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's there's kind of a. I went I went like full throttle into another area of music, you know, and then I found that kind of like and why I said I've been dabbling back like I kind of like returned I feel like Simon Doom is a bit of a middle ground yeah. sonically between kind of all that where there are like elements of like psychedelia and stuff, but like it's it's primarily rooted in like obviously not crust punk, but like, you know, like post punk or like late seventies punk sort of shit. And uh so I feel like it's kind of like, oh, you know, I've I've done this or I'm still doing this, but like I'm it, but I can kind of draw, hopefully. That's what it comes across like. But yeah. I don't really know. And I hear Simon Doom all the time. I listen to the best show on WFMU a lot. Or best show now, I guess it's Best Show. I, it's hard to But yeah, but I feel like Tom plays Simon Doom all the time. Which makes me so stoked. Are man. you a fan of the but yeah, show? I mean like that that's kind of like the overall goal of the project was for Tom to like play it more than once yeah so i feel like i can stop i actually yeah i'm a mega fan i actually in des moines ran into uh didn't run into ran at uh john worster yes because uh, the mountain goats were playing the night before uh and it went terribly um i like kind of like freaked out like i didn't realize <laughs> i was at a bar like des moines very small right if you haven't been and uh a lot of the stuff is in, in a similar area and um he uh so mountain goats were playing at this club where mgmt was playing this big fest and then andrew and ben were djing the after party at the same club the mountain goats were playing so it said like mgmt on the um, like calendar in the window and you know me and a couple of the guys like went to a bar nearby and i just saw john worcester walking by and i just dropped my shit and ran out and said john john uh it's I, I, he's, he's you know he's taking him back he's like oh, I'm, it's simon simon from mgmt simon doom you know i'm like <laughs> you might know simon doom from this show you might know if you don't simon from mgmt you know mgmt because it says it right there and uh and like have you ever met him? Yeah, he's been on the podcast. He's a friend of mine. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I just got super starstruck because his voice is so similar to the kind of uh uh characters he does. Yes. So you know, and then like that was almost like I didn't expect and he's really tall, and I didn't expect that. It was almost like meeting Jim Carrey and he is behaving like Ace Ventura or something. Right, right. Uh, or like Mike Myers is Austin Powers and you're talking to him. <laughs> and like so he just kind of like asked me these questions and honestly all the and he's just like, Oh, cool. Uh, I see you're DJing here, and like I wasn't. I just kind of like I didn't want the conversation to end, so I just <laughs> used positives. So I said, like, "Yeah," he's like, "What you gonna play?" I'm like, <laughs> "You know, I don't you're know." Yes, I, you're yes ending. I was like yes ending. Yeah, that's yeah. an improv. Yeah. yeah, and like it was just like, but every the answer to every single question he asked me was, "I don't know. <laughs> I have no control over this." Like, but I kept being like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Oh, what's it like working with Dave Fridman?" I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> you know they're like i haven't been up there i didn't fucking record it and know it on the record and like, <laughs> like and then he's like and then i start to, the worst part i started to like 
I see he was near he's like walking towards his bus which is over there and I and I was like is your bus code blah 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 and in my mind I was thinking like <laughs> this is a conversation I've had with some of my friends which which tour bus codes are often exactly the same okay and you know I was kind of like thinking we could do this like we could rob tour buses and this would be our thing. So, but like in my frantic state, I just was like, is your- <laughs> he creeped him out. Yeah, I creeped him out. I was like, he's like, why do you want to fucking know my fucking tour? Like, he's still asleep. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't, it just like, it wasn't, it ended well. It ended well. But like, there was like moments of like pure panic. And I didn't realize, it was moments like that where I realized how much the best show meant to me, where like, I found myself pretty. You know, I, I would say like a, a six or a seven out of ten of talking to kind of famous people, maybe. Like, yeah. I feel like I've been able to handle it. But like with him, I just lost it. I yeah. Just lied. I get it. <laughs> Asked some weird questions. But yes, I like that makes me extremely stoked, though. Being Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I was a, I was a guest on it once. I mean, I wasn't a guest. My sister was a guest. And I came with her because I'm like a huge fan, and we got to like watch. Do you guys ever listen to the best show? We I got we got to watch Tom's hand hover over the call up button as people were talking to him. Like you could see he wow. was just like this sweating. Person. Was he sweating? <laughs> I heard he's like it's a it's like a lot of nerves. That's what I've heard. <laughs> that worst they're coming. He's like you're gonna make that Fred Perry shirt must feel like wet burlap. <laughs> incredible but yeah and then wow. uh and then john called in and did like a call where he was like oh is vanessa there was, was her brother jonah there yeah he introduced me to therapy and some other band in like the 80s like made up some <laughs> oh, weird therapy the, therapy the, the band. irish yeah. band the irish band yeah scream major what was their big therapy <laughs> yeah right? yeah <laughs> but yeah it was a great experience wow when was that that was it was a while ago i guess it was wfmu days wfmu days yeah oh man i don't know if i could handle that I know. Well, that was the thing too. I mean, I'm, this is probably boring if you don't care about if you don't know about the show. But yeah, I was like starstruck by everyone. I was like, they're like, yeah, this is AP Mike, and I was like, oh my god. I talked to AP Mike at one of the live shows, and I felt like we got along. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really cool, though. I'll check that one out. Check on that one out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's man. On there. Um. So, uh, so you go to Wesleyan, and then you came back. I mean, did you do any other jobs besides music, or is yes. that sort of what you've always done? Or yes, what did you do? To Guess kinda... what I did. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What do you guys think? I'm gonna say. It's... I'm gonna say. Bar oh, oh, oh. Wait, can I give you a hint? Yes. It has to do with. Shit, how am I going to put this? Think about a typical New York job. Think about our friend in common's name. That's giving it away. It's pretty hardcore. You worked at a gym? You got the name right. No. No. <laughs> I, wait, guess. No, no, ignore the clue because I think it's it's bad. And just say what you're gonna say. I was gonna. You delivered weed. No, Reed's not gifted. right away. But, <laughs> um, uh, no, I worked at Yankee Stadium, like really? right Whoa. through college, and then right after, as uh, I began as a mere lemon cutter, and then kind of climbed the ranks to the. Mayor of Lemonade, self-proclaimed mayor of Lemonade at the stadium. <laughs> uh, cotton candy and Dippin' Dots. Really? Wow. Yeah. 
So, and the reason uh, I said that is because Jim Carroll, the poet, also worked at Yankee Stadium. So that's where oh, I thought that was an gotcha. allusion. That's but you have to know hint, man. the basketball, basketball diaries. diaries. Right. Yeah. yeah, I do know that. I don't I d- think it's in the movie. Okay. Okay. I read the book. Um, I don't remember that part. Yeah, me neither. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while for oh, me, too. Honestly, I don't remember that part either. I just know <laughs> that. <laughs> I know what, that. I what else like, have you said that's all lies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll see. So, I mean, that seems like That's a, what happens when I don't have my phone. <laughs> that seems like a... Was that like a serious commute for you? I mean, no, no, because I grew up uptown. Okay, gotcha. So it wasn't. It was pretty easy. I was living with my parents for the most part. Did you like working there? Did I like it? Yeah. I like thinking about that. I did. I like saying that I did, and thinking about like the fact I've seen like you know close three hundred games or something, right? But it was during like the beginning. Uh, uh, when I was discovering alcohol, you know? Okay. And so, like, and the way it worked was the day games, you have to get there at nine, and they were on weekends. Okay. So, like, I would, you suddenly, like, you're forced into a situation where you, like, all you do all day, you know how annoying it is to, like, get up, and go to the bathroom during a very crowded game, and na- like all you do is navigate like fifty thousand people, like all day. Oh yeah, you know, with a hangover, and it just goes like, it's just like the worst place to be hungover in the entire world. And I will say, like you know, early twenties hangovers, but like still, it is absolutely the worst. Like it is just like you're so hot because it's not because it, it was the old stadium so it's like it's not air conditioned anywhere right. and you're kind of inside so you're like inside with so many people everyone's drunk people are fighting yeah people are asking for their money back because it wasn't beer and like it was just, you know it's just like it wasn't that fun at the time like there was some fun parts it was really nice it was great when you got there and you could just walk out and see the empty stadium the empty field and like sit there for a little bit and that was great but like once the gates opened until you left it was fucking and then you got on the train and it was like rush hour you know right. because everyone's leaving the stadium and it's just like that's that and you couldn't get a cab i mean i couldn't afford like cabs weren't even in my <laughs> vocabulary then but like um but, you know, I'm glad I did it. It was cool. I got to meet cool people. I saw a lot of interesting things. I can still probably get free lemonade there. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good hookup. Yeah. But you cut lemons so the lemonade's real? It's a combination of real fake. Mm. It's like the lemons are real. I mean, well, yeah, it's real. It's <laughs> like you cut the lemons and you squeeze it into a cup. I'm explaining how to make lemonade here in case you don't know. Um, and with then you gestures. just kind of have like a tap with like sugar water that you put in and then you stir it and you give it to people yeah well that's real lemonade I mean yeah, unless yeah, it's, it's like right? high fructose corn syrup it wasn't like I was pouring the sugar it was high fructose corn syrup well then yeah so it's it was like good. these boxes and, so it's kind of shit yeah so you it was a mix wasting your time with, the, with the lemons yeah this was show <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I did that for a while what and, else and then I but worked. wait, I'm still kind of stuck on this because, like, what's the fucking wackiest thing that you ever saw happen there? If you were there for 300 games, you must have seen some like. Oh, uh, I saw a guy shit. fall from the um, from the upper deck onto the kind of foul ball net. Oh wow! And he was just drunk, 
and everyone was kind of like, the game stopped. And we're like, oh shit. Like he fell and he's just on his back, like on the net. And, and, uh, that's, and then was like, what's going on? You know, like game stopped, like the cops were like running. I'm like, that's how I knew, like cops were running. So I'm lying already because I didn't see him fall, but I saw him on the net. Because <laughs> I followed the cops, like something's going on. Uh, and, uh, and he's just lying there. And I was like, he's dead. Like he had a heart attack up there. And he's, he's dead. And then he just goes, he put, sorry, he puts his hands in the air in a triumphant kind of, which makes you think he did it on purpose or something right. like that. Like he did, he was there. He kind of like did a flip off and I mean, he fell and then he was arrested. I saw stre- streakers on the field. Right. Uh, the greatest thing I saw was kind of, uh, there was, um, the way to get from the uh, bullpen to the field. Uh, for the relief pitchers, you had to walk th- by the commissary where all the workers would go, and I would go and check in. And most of the uh, the majority of the workers there were Dominican and Puerto Rican, and so like Marion Rivera, or like or El, El Duque, or like a lot of the uh, the Spanish speaking players would kind of just in between going to the bullpen and on the field would like go in and talk to everybody and just like, you know, had everyone in Spanish. Cause a lot of like El Duque didn't speak any English either, right. you know? And like, um, and that was a really cool thing that to see cool. this kind of thing happen. Like you just wait there and you see this like awesome occurrence. Uh, I saw the back of Paul McCartney's head. <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw like, you know, celebrities there. And, right. Um, but, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, like, I was kind of like, you know, it was Simon Gloom then. You know, I was yes. like an adolescent. Like, I was kind of rolling my eyes and, like, thinking about other things. I was, like, breaking up with some girl. And, like, that's all I could think about. Sure. Like, I, I could hide really well, though, because it was also, like, so for my boss, like, you could just disappear. Like, where were you? I'm like, oh, I was in, like, it's, it's, a, it's, like, it's like the size of, like, three cities. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I was on this, in this area doing this thing that I have to do. You know, I was like counting lemons, you know, and he's like, oh, okay. Didn't you have a quota to sell? No. Oh, okay. You didn't, um, <laughs> which was good. You could sell nothing <laughs> Jesus. if you wanted to. Uh, I don't know why. Let me, I could think about it and tell you why in a little bit. <laughs> there was a reason, but I don't remember why. I think. There's no incentive. There's no incentive hide. to sell. Right. Because, oh, because the guys who go out into the stands to sell the lemonade, they have incentive to sell. And so, like, those guys are on the... Oh, uh, so you weren't doing that. No, no, you no, no, no. Those guys are crazy. Those guys have all been there for years and years and years, and you rise up to that position. Uh, and then those are the guys who go out. No, I was, like, in the stands inside. Oh. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Oh, you thought I was having that well yeah how could you hide then you've got to be oh getting tips and shit like those guys are just like everything's priced so it's like you get to keep kind of four dollars like no one cares like they don't want to like you have to pass this money all the way through down the line of people in your row till it gets to the guy and then he like makes change they're really gonna pass like they're like just keep it those guys they don't work they only work for i would work two hours before the game and like um, those guys only work for like once you say play ball and they work for like the three hour, two and a half hours a day. And that's it. And they make like a shitload of, you know, they make a lot of money. It's the dream job, man. It is the dream job, but they're lunatics. There's something about it. Got to be out there with the real lunatics. Yeah. 
He'd scream louder than everybody else. They had the craziest voice, craziest voice. <laughs> like, damn. It was like real, like this, like professional yellers. Right. Like David Lee Roth kind of like style. Like whatever you do to kind of be able to project constantly, like right. they have. Or I mean, they were probably developing, developing polyps or something and not doing it correctly, according to a vocal coach. But I, I you know, it was, they were really interesting people, crazy people. Like, you don't want to talk to them outside of And were the business. beer guys the cream of the crop? Was that the top position? Or hot dogs? Uh, hot dogs it's like, the, well, they would switch off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. They, and they would sell lemonade, too. I mean, the guys were selling lemonade were probably bummed. But I think you just kind of go through it. It's like, uh, you get this today. You know? I wasn't even allowed in the room where they made these decisions, where they even spoke about it. <laughs> you know? Um, so where did you go from there? Um, I went and I worked for a, uh, an event production company. I'm banned from New York Stock Exchange. Really? Because of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of, so they would do events at the Stock Exchange. Like if when a company went live, they would have like little parties in the pen outside. Okay. With balloons. And like, so my job was just to kind of like. There was one job I had where uh, I had to just literally watch large balloons for 12 hours to make sure they didn't pop. That's it. <laughs> so I was just, and I wear a suit. And so I was just sitting there, and uh, and then there was like these, and they, they were going back to our old conversation. A bunch of crust punks came up and started protesting. So it was, there was, you know, Procter and Gamble have offices in the stock exchange and like a lot of other kind of companies that do animal testing. And they were, you know, they all had like cow masks on, but they had the patches. And I was like, oh yeah, this is great. And, this was, and it's also like, I wanted something to happen. Nothing happened all day. People <laughs> went to lunch, they came back and that was like exciting. And then I was like, oh, so I left and, you know, and like I walked out, I left my post and like walked out of the pen and just started to talk to them. And I was like, hey, like, don't worry, I'm wearing a suit, but, you know, what are you guys? <laughs> like, if you want to know, ABC No Real is just, like, honestly, you could walk to it from here, and then there's Kate's joint if you need a good vegan <laughs> nosh or whatever. Like, like trying to be, like, their bud. And they're like, oh, cool. And I try to walk back in, and the security guy goes, you can't come back. And uh, he's like, I'm like, well, he's like, you can't. You consorted with terrorists. And uh, it turns out that this group actually had been, like, terrorizing CEOs <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like, and like uh, of companies they're based in Philly and they had like come to people's houses and like thrown blood on them or fake blood whatever and like you know <laughs> set this shit on fire <clears throat> but anyway they, you know they, to get in the stock exchange they fingerprint you they take yeah. all your information your social, so like I just can't ever go back so that was the end of that job <laughs> then I worked for construction then I worked for Music distribution so company. I'm going to write down, <clears throat> we described this episode, consorting with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure that's a keyword when they look yeah. up your name. <laughs> he was right. I went to the stock exchange once. I was doing a cover story on Alternative Press on Fall Out Boy. And they uh -huh. did the closing bell ceremony. Woo! Yeah. And I was with them all day. And then they were like, oh, do you want to go up there with them? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, yeah, you stay down here. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it was like super weird, and I thought there was going to be papers everywhere, like in like Wall Street, and it was all computers. I really know it was very disappointing. There were some papers though. Yeah, I didn't see a single shred of well, paper. Were people there? 
Yeah. Wait till they leave. You'll okay. see papers on the floor, but not like the photos. Yeah, I wanted stuff falling from the ceiling. When people like... screaming on phones. Yeah. Okay. That, at least you got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. There. Yeah, I know what you mean. There was that was at the at the turning point. Everyone, you know, it was all phones and computers. But there were, there were just like post-it notes where people wrote stuff okay. down when someone else was using the computer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, there wasn't, it wasn't all on paper. It weren't like printers just like shooting rolls of paper <laughs> out and like flying everywhere. <laughs> I wanted that too. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a high security <laughs> kind of area for good reason. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Uh, I get it. Not upset about it. You know, I think I wanted to kind of go out. I wanted to, I wanted to like, I don't want to get fired. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to not do that anymore. But I understand like what you're saying. Like you have an affinity for these, I mean, the yeah. crust punks, you know. And there is like this need, I feel that too, to like, like I know I look normal, <laughs> but I'm cool. Totally. Yeah. I've had that my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I didn't look, I didn't always look normal, but like, I would always have that, like, if you only knew the cool stuff I am into, <laughs> like, you'd be like, so impressed or freaked out. Like, do you know that I'm listening to black metal right now? Do you know that? You don't know, because I've headphones on. But, yeah, I get, you know, it's, I don't think that'll ever stop. And I remember identifying other people and thinking it was lame <laughs> when I was younger, but, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah, music distribution company made ringtones for a while. And then it's kind of after that. When you say when, made ringtones, you composed them? Or? That's what I thought I was going to do. But what you, it was right at the, it was at the point where I basically was just sound editing where like you would get, um, a song and just find like the 15 seconds that people would most want to hear yeah. and then just like chop it and then send it. I would do like 300 a day, you know, um, a lot of cumbia and salsa. And I learned that there's like a, like one or no, like 53 seconds. I used to know like 53 seconds, kind of like always that's when the chorus hits or something. You know? <laughs> like, uh, but then I, I, uh, I, uh, then I, my first band, Amazing Baby, got record deal and stuff, and so I like quit and been doing music since, pretty much. But yeah, those were my jobs. There were other jobs in there, but those are the main ones. You're also playing. I saw you play with Subcults. Yes, and that's a that's a newer thing. That yeah, that was the first show, and hopefully, the first show of many. Although there's not a second one uh, booked, but that's uh, yeah, that's Jim's band. That's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, he wrote a couple songs and, uh, and like I have been, and I, you know, was stoked to like help him develop them and, and play. But like, I also play with Lily's, a band called Lily's sometimes. He's like a, uh, 90s, a band that I was into, uh, kind of like 90s shoegaze band that like, kind of should have been a lot bigger the lead singer had had issues i mean the band had a lot of issues and like uh we just did a tour in february where we did uh all of the kind of the kind of greatest hits of the 90 to 94 material and like stuff that wasn't officially released and it was really nice all the west coast it was really nice to see people who came out like people have been waiting like 20 years for this wow. it was cool um yeah, like that. Like 
I mean, like Thulsa Doom still do, Subcults, Lilies, MGMT, Simon Doom. And probably not going to do Lilies anymore just because of the schedule. But yeah. And I think I might have interviewed you once because I was doing research. I did a bio for Karoma. Oh, shit. When? Like five years ago, maybe. Wow. I definitely like wrote it and it got accepted and I interviewed at, at least one person. It could have been Hank. Okay. It could have been Hank. That was kind of Hank's band. Like okay. I had a uh Amazing Baby was like a very kind of weird experience for me as far as like uh That sounds really familiar too. There was, like, a moment, like, Amazing Baby had a moment, and I mean a moment, like, (laughs) very short. Like, everything was wrapped and over with, like, within a year. Okay. Like, big record deal with, like, not even a record written, like, our third show is in England sort of thing, you know? Like, kind of, in the end of, like, the very, very, very end of people thinking that records would sell. And, like, kind of... Everything involved kind of with us uh, industry-wise crumbled as the year went on. Like our record label went out, kind of closed its doors like two months after our record came out. What label was it? It's a label called Shangri-La. And they were just kind of working, you know, they they were independently funded. So they kind of felt like they were not going to get hit by what was hitting all the other. Like we were going to sign, we had offers from majors and like, we had offers retracted. And, like, the guy, the A&R said, here's the offer. So I was like, sorry, I'm getting fired. Like, and that would happen with multiple labels. Jesus like, some shit was going on. So then our manager found label Shangri-La, which is independently funded, and it seemed like, oh, well, this, this money comes from somewhere safe, so you'll be fine. But that wasn't true either. Like, the money man was just like, this isn't making any money. Close the doors. Everyone's fired. It's all gone. And so, like, it was a pretty, like, intense experience you know and i was like i really thought like oh this is it you know i went to japan i did it all like I was like oh this is it like this is what i want like i'm 24 20 like i'll 23 or 24 like i you know this is what i've always wanted to do like it's happening and then suddenly it was like over and like i didn't really have any leftover money so it kind of took me a while to like get back in the swing of things and I felt like I was kind of joining other people's bands for a while and and Karoma was like Hank's band and then I had written a, I had written a bunch of songs I had a kind of a second Amazing Baby written album written that like wasn't gonna happen and he heard some of them and he was like oh yeah come I wanna I would love to work with you but like so I worked with him but it was still kind of his band so I could kind of stay in the background and then then I became frustrated and then I was in that band up until like last year okay you know but I guarantee you probably talked to him. Okay. You know, because he's like, he's the guy. But I think, you know, he has two kids now, and I think he's just kind of taking it easy. He lives in Athens, Georgia. Nice. But yeah. Um, but that is very interesting. I sh- I'll, I'll check. Yeah. You may have spoken to me. I may have. I can't remember. If you spoke to two people, I probably was. I might, I might have. I'll go back through my records. I know people are dying to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what's your, your main focus now? Simon Doom, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I think Simon Doom is... Um, I've... I uh, 
MGMT is just, it's a lot of fun, but it's kind of a it's a great uh, opportunity. I mean, like it's it, it, you know I I get to be with my best friends and like tour around and do those things, but they also like know that my heart is in Simon Doom, which is the band, which is my band. Like I, right, I play right. in MGMT, but it's not my band. Um, and I think that they kind of allow room for it in a good way, and it's so and also finance it. Right. By doing that, I'm able to kind of not have to have a day job to do Simon Doom. And um, I, uh, so yeah, that's kind of it. It like up until maybe a month ago, I would tell you it was a joke, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because like everything. I you know everything it's it's much easier just to be like it's just a joke in case people like hate it right but like I mean Tom played it so I was like okay I guess I'll you know yeah I'll take it seriously yeah so yeah I'm just you know wary I'm not expecting much but I like playing the shows we're going to LA in a little bit you know nice uh do some schmoozing do some schmoozing Tinseltown (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not Des Moines and Town, <laughs> the other one um, and you know and it's cool and it's also like you know it's it, I finally got to choose my own band which is why I chose my guitar camp buddies and like yeah and it's, it's awesome it's like been great like getting close with Bill and Jim and Brandon again and Brandon who I actually didn't know before but he's like one of Bill's best friends and they're all Massachusetts guys yeah I saw you guys open for Piebald yes that was that was fun. That was a uh, fun night. Yeah. From what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun night. It was interesting. It was like, I was like, I wonder how this is going to fly, you know? Because there are like the punk elements, like we talked about the Simon Doom, but there's also, it doesn't have the kind of same sort of touchstones that Pieball does. Right. But, you know, people watched it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was fun. Do you remember... Uh... Did you, were you with Jim too when they played that McCarran Pool show? I was there. That was crazy, man. Yeah. Like, I remember the line was just, like, to Bushwick or something. Like, it was insane. It was crazy, yeah. I didn't know. I was, in, I was in my Amazing Baby days, but I was okay. there. And, uh, yeah, like, Kristen Dunst was trying to get in. And it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, those shows were, do you remember those shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would do free shows on like Sundays, and then like you could, if you knew someone, you could get like a VIP thing where you could go in a different entrance and not wait in line. And they had free like doers, which is like the worst thing to drink <laughs> out oh. in the sun. Yep. And I would just drink so much doers <laughs> and just get so hot and just, <laughs> but it was so fun. <laughs> and it's like that Ted was Leo would be playing, planned. or like, yeah, and they'd have like a big slip and slide, and there'd be all these like girls in bikini. I was like, and it was right when I moved to New York, and I was like, this is the best right. <laughs> it's like brooklyn lager everywhere like yeah that was my only uh mccarran pool show really went to them gmt i went one. to i went to all of them but it was kind of it was for me that was you went to all of them yeah all the free ones <laughs> that's awesome yeah i didn't have a lot going on <laughs> yeah you like to go to shows though i go in phases i i, I I I like the idea of going to shows, and then I think feel like the night I have to go, I'm like, how can I get out of this? <laughs> how what is your set tolerance these days, lengthwise? <sighs> I mean, 
It really depends on the band. I mean, it's definitely getting lower. <laughs> but a lot of that has just become like, I stand for this long, my back's going to start hurting. <laughs> okay. I, w- I would say like, I like half hour, 45 minutes is good. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Because I'm playing like hour and a half sets now. Really? And I'm like looking at the audience, I'm like, <laughs> but like that's what you have to play with MGMT. Now it's I'm doing right, like, right. Ridiculous. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I guess also, yeah. If you bought a ticket for that, you want to get your money's worth. Yeah, but these all been festivals, so people didn't really uh, buy the tickets for yeah. it. Yeah, they're just like like MGMT more than the other band. That's <laughs> that seems just like a lot of stuff to remember. It is. <laughs> yeah, and fucking pee before you go on stage. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Which I never really cared about. I would use the urine to, as power. Because <laughs> it's like when it's like 40, 45 minutes, it's no problem. But right. like when you have to pee at 15 minutes and then you have to be on stage for like, you know, however much longer that is. <laughs> like, Math whizzes out yeah. there. <laughs> like that really, that's no joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I wonder, it's weird. But I guess when I was young, I could, like when I was a little kid, I wished that my, I never really wished. There was a few bands I wished would stop playing. But that's usually because I was physically uncomfortable. Yeah. Or the yeah. mosh pit was crazy. Or yeah, something. punk shows. I never, I never felt that. I always wanted to hear Hot Water Music play for like nine hours right. or something. Totally. Yeah, but like I wouldn't care as much. But like now, it's like even if, you know, so it's like I'm seeing a band that I love. Like I'm like, wrap yeah. it up. Yeah. I wonder if it's you know the internet and the cell phones or something. I wonder if the uh, if my attention span now is shorter than it was when I was. 12. I feel like also it happens now. I don't know if shows have always been at the same time. Now whenever I'm like, what time do you guys play? And someone tells me the time the headline goes on, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like, no matter what time they play, it sounds so late. I'm like, 10.30? Yeah, I know. I'm not going to be home till 12.30. I know. Like, I'm so annoyed. It's crazy. But yeah, no one's going to be like, yeah, the same Vita show. Like, but the then if you're like 8.30, I'm like, oh, but I'm having dinner though. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, totally. can you <laughs> Yeah, there's no time that will make me happy. No. Maybe like a 908 or something. 908 sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. If it's a concise, you know, 45. <laughs> Over by 10 with encores. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Perfect. The ideal. All right. I'll run that up the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's crazy. Um, but I don't know. Is there, there's not, I feel like there's not really. The that MGMT show back to that though that was special because that was the first time I realized that these guys were like huge. Yeah, you know, same here. Like I was like, whoa! Like this is more than just kind of like, you know, articles I've seen. Right. Like these are people who like really want to see this show. And MGMT is. St- I mean, I don't know a lot about that world. They're still a big band. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like. So, like, Amazing Baby went on tour with them at that time, in, like, 2008, 2009. And it was enormous. And, like, we were young, and, like, they would have these kind of, like, teenage girls just, like, going crazy. And I was worried about, like, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm married. Like, like, I'm a grown-up now. I have a kid. Like, I want, you know, is it going to be weird? But then I, I get on stage, and, like, it's like, it's not like these girls are now 29, like it's still teenage girls and it's interesting so it's like i'm like oh wow it's still you guys are still like 16 like which kind of solidifies but what they they still love the first 
record. That's the one. Okay. And so it kind of like it's an it's interesting. It's like it solidifies the first record as a classic re- album. I think it's kind of gone. It's 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 surpassed a generation onto the next. You know, and like because these a lot of these kids were like you know six or something when it came out. Right. It came out in two thousand seven. Like, which is crazy. Um, I don't really know because it's like all been festivals. I I, I know that there's there's a new record that's like, uh, I think that people are gonna like. You know, it's a little. It's it's kind of. It's not like. It's not like their first one. It's not like the other two. But it's kind of. It's a. It's an interesting direction, and I think a lot of people are very happy with it. So it'll be curious to see how that plays, kind of in music today. Totally. Which is a totally different world than it was when they first made a name for themselves, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm not really sure. You can't really tell, like I said, you can't really tell from festivals because there's people right, there, right? But like, right. are they there? Like, once the show, once the tour starts, where, where MGMT is playing individual shows, I think it'll be a little clearer. But like, um, I don't know. What's the weirdest thing about festivals is like people. Who, I know they see certain bands, and some people are just like, I like going to festivals. I'm like. Oh, you are like you going to festivals? <laughs> are you insane? What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, yeah. The sun is not my friend. So, mm-hmm. like, I already have that against me. And the concept of being in the sun for like more than an hour is terrifying. With somebody in yeah. front of you with a flag, hopefully. Yeah. 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 I mean, have, the worst. have you ever been to Glastonbury? No. Has Glastonbury ever been described to you? No. How would you By an English it? person? <laughs> Can I describe it? Well, the way it was described to me before I went was like, oh, it's like, it's brilliant. Like, you you get there, it's like, you're in like a bog. It's like raining. You, you'll mash out your fucking mind. It's like, you know, a hundred miles long. There's like 200,000 people there. You fucking lose your friends. There's nowhere to piss. You piss wherever. Everything smells like shit. You're walking through with shit. Everything's pissing on you. He's yelling at you. Your phone doesn't work. Your phone dies. You're alone. They run out of food. It's fucking brilliant. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Really? It's like war? <laughs> yeah, it's like war. And like, yeah, it's like the, the trenches of World War One. And... It's funny you say that because I went to the uh, Museum of War, I think is what it's called, in London, where they have a kind of a a sensual trench exhibition where they recreate the smells of the trenches, which is like rotting flesh and shit. Really? Yeah. Which stuck with me, and when I went to fucking Glastonbury, <laughs> I was like, this is familiar. <laughs> um, it really smells like that, and it's kind of nuts, but like, that's like, I think the British people, it's like, the only way to experience it, you have to get so fucked up that like, nothing matters. It's magical. I mean, you are walking through a city of weirdos, like, where like, there's these little, there's so many little towns in this, right, kind of, right. it's huge. It's like an enormous festival, but like, Trying to see a band seems crazy. Well, they all they invented these fucking banners over there that yeah. they put up. So like you can't you can't see it anyway. I know, and the banners are for like, locating people, right? Oh, is that what it is? I think so because of the problems I discussed earlier. <laughs> like you're like you're I just one. see you know you see it on <laughs> you see them on TV and it's like you can nobody in the audience can see the fucking stage. Yeah, 
It's true. That would drive me nuts. Yeah, I'm not a festival person. So catch Simon Doom at Glastonbury this year. Oh, See, like that that still sounds exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Although, is it? No, it's. I think it's yearly now. It used to be kind of a biannual thing. Who knows? I play my cards right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. For coming by. Um, if you good. check out his new album, Baby Man, and if you are in Los Angeles, listen to this September 29th. Catch Simon Doom at Resident. And check out Subcults, uh, Jim Carroll's band with Simon. Uh, I saw them at St. Vitus open for the explosion and uh it was very good wow yeah it was the explosion and this other band uh dark blue which is uh my friends uh andy and josh who are in paint of black and they were also very a very good band that you should listen to i haven't been to vitus in ages i was there like, of course i haven't been many other places either but i yeah. like that place it's good yeah i was there a couple nights ago uh late night <laughs> uh yeah, Dennis from Refuse Band played there. Invision or something. Invision. There's so few band names now. Like I feel like now these people are doing this thing where they just like take all the vowels out, right? And then you know, like I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, but it's like you can't really can like just, actual words are all taken. They can just revise the like '80s thing of Z's. And yeah, there's probably some formulas there. It's gonna start. I feel like it's just gonna start being like numbers or something like serial number. Yeah. Or symbol. Do you have the goops? Is that trademark? It was. I think it let it run out. Guys, the trademark only lasts like six years. Do you want to name your band the goops? There's there's one or two out there. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's all good. You should see the shit out of them. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Although there may be a a goops release in the um, at some point. I'm not going to say anymore. Really? Wow. I don't want to trap myself. Wow. There may actually be a new song. There is, I did, you know, I am going to prop my label because I just a couple of weeks ago released The Worried, which is some old friends of mine. Actually, the bass player, Pete, was formed the goops with me. Okay. But band from um, Rhode Island, uh, they're awesome, hard rock, punk rock, um, great guitar work by my friend Dennis. Uh, so it's on, it was just released on Soundwag Digital. Which is my label. How can people find that, Brad? Length. Go to soundwag.com or look for The Worried You Deserve This anywhere that digital media is served to you. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, United Nations also is writing. I was up in Maryland a couple weeks ago writing with those guys. And we will hopefully have an album out at some point. Nice. Yeah. Last one came out summer of 2014. So I think it's time to... Uh, it's time to scream. Time to start screaming. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted on that here, of course. And, uh, yeah, as we said up top, um, thanks everyone who's donated. Venmo.com slash off track. We appreciate it. We're working on some new stuff. Incentive-wise for you guys, you can also donate via PayPal on our site, goingofftrack.com. Um, or you can just go into iTunes, leave us a nice review, give us five stars, um, get the word out. We really appreciate all your emails and comments. That's really all I have to say. Thanks to Simon. Um, and we'll be back with another wonderful podcast next week.